0: and Medicare. We offer free shipping, 90-day supplies, and we bill your insurance. Call us today for a free benefits
1: check. 800-437-1424. 800-437-1424. 437 1424 That's 800-437-1424. The views and opinions expressed in the following program are those of the program's participants and do not
0: necessarily reflect those of station staff, management, and advertisers.
2: They were there when history was made. Racem Tour is a storyteller. Welcome to the Sports Racem Tours.
0: And with two out, you talk about a
2: roll of the dice. This is it. Lewis gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes, LeBron James and the buzzer. The Sports Racem Tours dusts off the great American art of storytelling from the players, coaches, media, the people who were there one a right down the line. It may go. So go crazy, folks. Go so crazy. It's a home run. Go so crazy. Now here's
3: Stephen Maggi. Welcome to Sports Rock and Tours, a show that presents the observations, recollections, and memories of a select group of storytellers who represent the past half century or so of American sports. It's the NFL championship weekend, and that means teams playing for a chance at the Super Bowl. In the NFC game, the San Francisco 49ers are playing the Los Angeles Rams, which is not a new activity for this very successful franchise who's been in the league for a long time. I'm talking about the 49ers, but it wasn't always like that. They didn't become a force in the league until 1981 when Bill Walsh and Joe Montana ushered in a new dynasty. Also joining the team was a new public relations director and he's managed to win four Super Bowl rings and in fact is still associated with the team today. His name is Jerry Walker and he's seen it all, both on the field and behind the scenes. Jerry is an old friend from my earliest days in broadcasting and as you'll see, he's a wonderful storyteller. When you cover sports teams, you learn very quickly how important the PR guy is. And I was fortunate enough to start with one of the really best. We actually worked together originally when I was in college. His name is Jerry Walker, and he's the Public Relations Director of the San Francisco 49ers from 1981 all the way to 93. He's now the team archivist and really just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the 49ers. Jerry, well, to bring us to the what that was like. You come up. This is your first pro job. You're coming
4: in. You didn't have any idea that you were going to bring a championship to him, did you? It's funny you should say that because people that I know around the team and that we all joke about, it wasn't Jack Reynolds and it wasn't Fred Dean and it wasn't uh, Joe Montana and all those people. It was Jerry Walker joining the team that got us our first Super Bowl championship. Uh, And that's a joke. (laughs) That's where the canned laughter should come in. So, no, we we were hoping that we could, you know, be 500 that year. It was uh, Bill had come in in 79 and they were 2 and 14 in 79 and they were 6 and 10 in in 80 so they were kind of making you know improving a little bit every year but then we went crazy in 81 and we were 13 and 3. Yeah, I
3: remember it and it was exciting to be in the Bay Area at that time cuz the year before the Raiders had won the Super Bowl and really the 49ers up until 1981 were Kind of a franchise that really kind of struggled a bit. I mean, they had a long history, and there were some great players in there. But this was the first sign, really, of, of greatness. They came close a couple of times, I know, in the early 70s. But by, by and large, and this was Bill Walsh, right? Because you come in, you, like you say, they're
4: 6-10. and 10. They were thinking maybe make the playoffs at that point. We actually weren't aiming at the playoffs when the season began. When the season began, Bill seriously wanted to... Um just improve on the six and 10 from the previous season. And if we could be 500 or more, we're going to be happy with that. We, we really were. I heard that spoken many times in the early season. You know, we started that year. We lost two of our thir- first three games and then we only lost one more time the rest of the season.
3: Right, it was it was an incredible thing because I remember just a couple of years before, guy we knew from our college days, Steve Deberg, was a guy who Bill Walsh used to say was just good enough to lose. And but yep. who knew that Joe Montana, who he had a storied career at Notre Dame, but I don't think anybody could have foreseen what ended up to happening for him.
4: No, it you know that that was remarkable, and, and you're exactly correct on Bill's quote. Bill Bill said at a press conference, "Well." It's, He's just good enough to get you beat. It's like, (laughs) uh, oh, to start one and two, you know, no one, I promise you, no one outside of our locker room, outside of our facility thought, well, these guys are going to be Super Bowl champs.
3: Right. But then the big turnaround really came against uh, Dallas at home, right, where they were handily beaten by the 49ers, and that just was something
4: that didn't happen. Exactly. And um, I had my career began in sports information at the college level. And I worked at LSU before coming out West. And um, at LSU, we, uh, we got along well with the writers, as most PR guys do. And one of the, one of the writers from, from my LSU days became a, a major writer for the Dallas uh, Morning News, Gil LeBreton. And, and Gil, uh, after that Dallas win at home, Gil to me in the press box and said, man, you guys were lucky. Oh. I said, what? what are you talking about? He said, you guys are lucky. I said, "I said, Gil, I hate to use this against you, but look at the scoreboard. What do you mean lucky? So, and he said, well, I hope we get to see you again in the playoffs. I said, I, I hope we make the playoffs. Right now we're aiming for 500, but this sure was a pretty good jumping off point to beat you guys the way we did.
3: The convincing point that that season was going to be special actually came when they were in Cincinnati, I remember it and watching it on TV and the Bengals were really good and they ended up playing them, of course, in the Super Bowl. But that was where they go into Cincinnati and they win. That kind of erased any doubts, didn't it? That this was just a fly, you know, a lucky season or anything like that.
4: I think, yeah, I think we started building and building. You know, the the tough loss later on after the starting one and two, the tough loss was I grew up in the Cleveland, Ohio area as a big Browns fan. And I was joking with uh, my wife, Jackie. I said, I don't know who to pull for this weekend. And she said, you've got to be kidding me. Who pays your paychecks? And I <laughs> said, well, I was joking when I said I don't know who to pull for, but it's going to be a tough thing to, to watch my Brownies get beat. She said, you're going to enjoy it. Well, I didn't enjoy it because the Browns beat us. And, and, yeah, turning turning things back around, then we started after that Browns loss, we started a little win streak, including that, that game at Cincinnati was big, and it was real big for Bill since he was a former Bengals assistant coach.
3: Yeah, he kind of... Um... Not resented, but he, he thought he should have been the heir apparent, and I'm sure they would agree with that right now.
4: He, I think he was the heir apparent. I, I hate to talk bad about Paul Brown. It was actually a, a plus for the Niners. It ended up being perfect for the Niners, a wonderful thing, because when Bill got passed over for Tiger Johnson, who used to be a 49er, when, when Johnson was hired instead of Bill, Bill was kind of in shock and was really... Uh, really anti-Cincinnati Bengals at that time. So when we came back and beat them during the regular season in Cincinnati, it was a big win for Bill. And then, of course, when we beat them in the Super Bowl, it was even a bigger deal.
3: Yeah, no question about it. Let's run through the playoffs, and then I want to really talk about Bill Walsh, the person. But... That started out with the New York Giants, and that was no guarantee, but I remember being at Candlestick Park that day. There was a certain excitement that I hadn't seen on that side of the bay. I'd seen it on the east side for certain games and so forth, but never there, and boy, you know, there was just a thrill there, and that was when Lawrence Taylor was there, right? But Bill figured a way to stop him.
4: A guy named John Ayers. John Ayers had maybe one of the best games ever as a lineman. John Ayers, was his, his assignment was to block Big Lawrence.
3: And he did, boy.
4: So they win that. They go They go back there.
3: It's in Detroit, probably the worst place to hold a Super Bowl at that time, you know, because it was in the, <laughs> the...
4: Remember the weather back there, uh, Jerry? I, I, I went a, a week ahead of the team back there to get the hotel ready and set up television and radio interviews and things back there. And I slept in my... Our hotel lost its power, lost its furnace the, the, the night I checked in. I slept in my ski jacket all night. It was just unbelievably, I mean, I I grew up in in Ohio, so I kind of knew a little bit about that weather, but Chicago weather with that wind whipping off the lake, that was ugly. That was really, that was, it was like, we we bemoaned it, if that's the proper terminology, (laughs) that we make it to a Super Bowl, and it's not in Miami, it's not in New Orleans. Where is it? Detroit, Michigan.
3: More in a moment with Jerry Walker. The Director of Public Relations for the San Francisco 49ers from 1981 to 1993. Remember, all of our interviews can be found on Apple iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Sports Rock and Tours with Stephen Manchie, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network.
5: Now you can get generic Viagra shipped to your door for about $2 a pill. Get the same impact for less. Call Steel Man Pills now and get the same blue pill for about $2 a pill.
1: Call now for the 50 pill special and save even more. Plus get a free bonus. 800-979-4317. 800-979-4317. That's 800-979-4317. You hear Mr. Big every week
3: on this show. Now Mr. Big invites you to visit him online and save some money. All his books are now on Kindle, and he's got a variety of books, fiction and nonfiction, including The Life and Times of Frank Balsteri, books on casino games, and much more. You can buy the Kindle and save even more money. Go to milwaukeemob.com. That's milwaukeemob.com. That's milwaukeemob.com. Did Louis the Coin really soak the sheets with red wine in Rome? Yes. Did he really tell a federal court after testing positive for cocaine in his 70s that he only used coke for sex? Yes. Well, you can get these tales and more in the great book, You Thought It Was More, Adventures of the World's Greatest Counterfeiters. It's available now at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or at LouisTheCoinBook.com. That's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or at LouisTheCoinBook.com.
1: An adult elephant can weigh up to six tons. The average person, 150 pounds. Ever heard of carfentanil? It's a large wild animal tranquilizer. Illegal drug dealers lace heroin with it. It can kill the average human. If you or a loved one is addicted to opiates, even pain pills, don't wait until it's too late. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline now. We care. Many of us have been where you are. We'll take you or a loved one away from the drug environment to a place you can clean out safely. Plus, we'll work with your insurance company to make sure you get the treatment you need. And with a Family Medical Leave Act, you're allowed by law to get away for help without telling your employer why. Call now to save a life. 877 927 3380. 877 927 3380. That's 877 927 3380.
2: Listening to Sports Rockin' Tour. now. Here again is Stephen Magin.
3: You are listening to Jerry Walker, former public relations director for the San Francisco 49ers from 1981 to 1993, who proudly wears his four Super Bowl rings, almost usually one at a time. Well, that was the first time they really did that, right? Get went out of the Sun Belt. That was, I think, that was the first one they held.
4: Yeah, and, and you know, thank God. I mean, they've they've held a couple. Out of the Sun Belt, since outside, but thank God we had the Silver Dome to play in.
3: Yeah, exactly. Or would have been a, it would have been a mess. And you know, the one thing I remember about that game again, Cincinnati comes in. Most people were thinking that they were going to win because you know Forrest Gregg, the coach, and so forth. And you know, this was the 49ers' first time in. And one thing I remember was that great stop by Danny Buns, a guy that you don't even think of him anymore, but
4: just an incredible stop. And that kind of was one of those again turning moments, right? Exactly, it was it was definitely a turning moment in that game. And Bunzo and his wife have a a ranch slash farm up near Rockland in Roseville, up near Rockland, where the Forty used to train. And they grow lavender. Ah. So this 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 big old bulky defensive lineman, I mean a, a linebacker, makes a big a huge stop, a game winning stop. And uh, and what does he do now? He's he's gardening lavender.
3: Wow. Now, you notice we missed the Dallas game, and the reason was that was almost as important to Bay Area fans as the Super Bowl win, that beating Dallas, finally getting to the Super Bowl, and that's, of course, the game with the catch, and there's just so many special
4: things about it. Do you think
3: back on that game a lot?
4: Yeah, of course I do. That game highlights and, and, and highlights of Dwight Clark's catch, and I mean, that's used so much in Sports Illustrated and on television that that game always reflects in my memory. And at that point, you know, we were, we were just hoping to win a playoff game. And then when we get to the championship game, it's like, oh, my gosh, we're a game away from the Super Bowl. We weren't even talking about winning the Super Bowl. We were just talking about, can we get by Dallas? I mean, Dallas is such a – you said it correctly, I think, when you said it, it was almost as big, or and I add, or bigger than the Super Bowl itself.
3: Yeah, it was really something, you know, the, the great, and uh, we, we certainly miss him, Dwight Clark. Uh, that's going to always be his place uh, in sports history. Everybody will always know about Dwight Clark.
4: Exactly. And then what people don't talk about is Eric Wright's catch of a, of a Dallas Cowboy from behind. And I think he may have actually horse collared him, but it, but it caused, a, you know, stopped a, a big touchdown for the Cowboys against us. And then the fumble, Lawrence Pillars and Jim Stuckey, those guys are involved in a, in a fumble and a recovery. Th- that game's won actually by, I always joke with, uh, with Ray Wershing, we call him Moe, Moe Wershing. I always joke with him about uh, that his extra point actually gave us the edge in the, yeah. in, in the scoring column.
3: You know, I'm glad you brought up uh, Ray Worshing because if anybody remembers that season, they remember in, in every game that was on, because the 49ers were starting to get national attention. It was the idea, he doesn't look at the goalposts, right?
4: You no, know? nope, nope. his, his, his words to Joe Montana, the holder, were always, help me, Joe, help me, help me now, Joe, help me. And it was like, I asked him one day, what are you, what are you telling Joe out there on the field? And I'm asking him for help. I said, why? Because I don't like to look at the goalposts. so it's like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Me um, kickers don't look at the
3: goalpost. No, it was great. It worked for him. He was a a pretty reliable kicker.
4: Very, very reliable. He he played it played ball at Cal. He was a star, a leading scorer for several years, I think.
3: Let's get into the character of Bill Walsh because sometimes it's real easy for people that weren't around him and so forth. And I know you were close friends with him, uh, and I had some con- <laughs> some dealings with him as a member of the press and. He's thought of as a genius. This idea, though, that he was easygoing, boy, is that wrong. I remember him at Stanford. If he lost a game that he thought he shouldn't have lost, that was one angry guy. And you had to be really careful what kind of question you asked him, or he could just jump all over you.
4: Yeah, I've I've seen that side of Bill. I I have uh, his daughter, Elizabeth, is an artist. She's in L.A. now. And we always joke when we get together about how many times her father fired me. (laughs) <laughs> Always hired me back, but he fired me five times. So you felt his wrath. I didn't realize that. Yeah, he was—he was an excellent guy to work with, and, and I had I had had some some other coaches that were uh, Charlie McClendon and LSU, who was a Mr. Easygoing guy until they got beaten, and so I, I had a little bit of experience in that regard. But yeah, Bill Bill was—he definitely winning it all at all. It was was the number one goal, was winning.
3: You know, it reminds me a lot of Vince Lombardi. I had spoken to Lombardi's uh, biographer, David Moranis, and one of the things he said is, you know, these players hated him and loved him at the same time. And I kind of got the same thing feel from Walsh, where, boy, he could get on you. I remember guys would miss a tackle, and he just would just berate him you know you'd see that once in a while but they didn't miss it again
4: so it worked so so bill's bill's um approach was he, yeah he would get on players from time to time but more often his wrath was felt by assistant coaches if he wanted to get a, a defensive lineman if he wanted to get his attention he would get jump on coach mcpherson the defensive line coach or he'd jump on Sam White, uh, well, he was offensive coordinator, quarterback, quarterback coach, but he would jump on, you know, Chuck Studley. He'd off, he'd get on one of the defensive coaches, and he he would just like berate them, and that was so so that the players would get the attention, he'd get Bill's attention, and and not be, not feel like he was always coming down on them. But occasionally, yeah, you you could see it overflow into the player himself.
3: You mentioned coaches, and boy. I was as getting ready to talk with you. I was doing a little research and it brought all this stuff back. And I'm looking at how many coaches, including a guy like John Gruden, who's, you know, coaching the Las Vegas uh, Raiders. And you know, I just mentioned him
4: because they all have this connection to Walsh, Mike Holmgren. Yeah, exactly. I, I, when I think of John Gruden, I think about when he was a, an intern with us, a, a graduate assistant almost in, in style, and he would sit outside the, the coaches' meeting rooms and I'd come around the corner of that hallway, and I'd, I knew he'd be sitting there, and I'd always pretend like, oh, oh, I almost fell over you. What the heck are you doing out here? <laughs> and, and then I'd laugh, and I'd say, yeah, I know. You're sitting there picking up knowledge because someday you're going to be a head coach. And he'd say, that's right, j keep moving. <laughs> well, you know,
3: one person we both knew from San Jose State had told me before I even really knew who Bill Walsh was. I, I I knew this was before he was a 49er coach. I knew he was an assistant in the league and so forth. But Bob Bronson, who uh, coached him there, said this guy is going to be good and he's going to be one of the all time greats. And he said you could see that with him from the point when he first got into coaching, even as a player. He just loved the game. And, and I, I guess all the coach, the great coaches and you've seen some that have followed him that have been great too. They all just love the game, right? Because how else, you mentioned like Gruden, who else is going to stay and do that for 15, 16, 18
4: hours a day? Exactly. And Bronson, that's a Hall of Famer you're talking about there. What, what a great man he is. I think Bill may have coached under him after Bill was a player at San Jose State. When, he, when his playing days were over, I think he maybe coached with Coach Bronson at, at San Jose State. Coming up, more
3: with Jerry Walker, who has seen a lot of 49er history as their director of public relations for over 12 years. Have your collectibles taken over your house? Well, maybe it's time for those treasures to find a new home. place to go is baseball cards and bobbleheads, where they are always buying. If you've collected it, there's a good chance they'll buy it. No collections are too large or too small. Call Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads at 310-534-4180 or text them pictures of your collection. That number again is 310-534-4180. You are listening to Sports Rockin' Tours with Stephen Manchie nationwide on the Talk Media Network.
5: And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Some films come close to perfection. One such film, The Woodsman, would surely have resulted in Oscar consideration had it not been about a subject that sent people running from the theaters. It is the story of a pedophile. The subject of pedophilia exists on the edge of our consciousness. Its occurrence sends waves of destruction emanating from its core, brutally damaging everyone involved. We just don't want to think about it, but perhaps, That in itself is why we should. If so, there is no better vehicle than this film. Kevin Bacon exhibits masterful reserve in the role of a child molester recently released from prison. As he struggles to find out how to exist in a world that does not want him, he allows all manner of emotion to collide just below the surface. His character doesn't ask for forgiveness, for he has not forgiven himself. This film will scare you. There is a moment when you will want to turn it off for fear of seeing what no one would want to see. It takes you to the edge, as it should. Questioning all of our preconceived notions, it will give reason to hope that there is a future for a person inhabited by this disease, and at the same time, question as to whether there should be. The Woodsman is finely crafted cinema, well worth the challenge. Independent film, where the real stories are told.
1: Do you need to sell your home? Sold.com services are free. So if you're looking to sell, make this free phone call right now and learn how your next home sale can be faster and easier than you ever thought possible. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 800-948-6826. 800-948-6826. 800-948-6826. Again, that's 800-948-6826.
3: When you go to Las Vegas, you have to know what you're going to go see, and there's no better place on the web to go than VitalVegas.com. You hear Scott our Vegas Insider, every week. What are people going to find when they go to your site, Scott?
4: Everything you need to know about Las Vegas, from shows
3: and restaurants and a lot of inside dirt that you won't hear anywhere else. And a lot of photos, too, and a lot of snark, right? That is the case, (laughs) yes. You can't miss it. VitalVegas.com
6: It hit me when I was arrested.
1: Get sober now. Your private insurance may cover costs and we'll get you here. It's simple. Just call Elite Rehab Placement right now. Please don't wait. Your life matters to us. 800-213-9264, 800-213-9264, 800-213-9264. Call right now before it's too late. 800-213-9264.
2: Welcome back to Sports Rockin' Tours. Here again is Stephen Maggi. Welcome back to Sports Rockin' Tours. You
3: are listening to Jerry Walker, former 49ers public relations director who had both a working relationship and friendship with the owner, Eddie DiBartolo, Jr., Coach Bill Walsh, Team Executive John McVeigh, and many, many more. You know what, it's funny, because the last time I saw Bob Bronson was sitting up, I, I was covering that game, that, that famous game with the Cowboys, and boy, he couldn't have been prouder. He was sitting, he had a nice seat in the stands, and he could not have been prouder. It was, you know, I guess he had Dick, Dick Vermeal had worked with him, too, and this was just like his life's work
4: coming out in the big, big time. Yep, yep. mind you, I couldn't have been prouder.
3: I was really happy for you, because I, I know that, it's a dream, right? I mean, you don't have to necessarily be suited up or even one of the coaches. When you get a, in an
4: organization like that, you feel a real part of it. Oh, definitely. And, and Bill always treated everyone like they were a big part of it. You know, it was, it was never like, oh, you're the PR guy. You'll, you'll do this. It was like, you know, congratulations. We won another one. Not, not I won another one, but we won another one.
3: He, he not only had this great Hall of Fame lifestyle, so forth. I mean, you look at his records, incredible. But this guy changed the game, because I really think this whole West Coast offense really changed the game
4: from what it was before that. Oh, it definitely, it definitely did, and that's why so many of the coaches from Bill's tree spread out and took the offense with them and, and then made a little a change here and a change there to make it their own offense. But yeah, the West Coast offense Definitely changed the game. I, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I grew up near Cleveland watching the Cleveland Browns, and you know that was give the ball to Jim Brown and get out of the way. Um, yeah. Where the Les audience was, you know, people would say Dink and Dunk, but Bill had, a, you know, a formula. We'd run one play, and if you're sitting in the stands, it's like, what the heck? Why did we run that? Well, we come back with that play, then the next series or something, that's a touchdown.
3: Well, wasn't he the first guy to really uh, map out the, the first 30 plays of the game or whatever?
4: I think it was 15 plays, and now it's like up to 25 or 30, yeah. And now everybody does that. You
3: also had an interesting experience. I never met an owner that was like Eddie Bartolo. Probably the closest would be Al Davis, except Eddie wasn't a football guy the way Al was. But in terms of a guy that would do whatever it takes to win, oh, yeah. boy, he was something
4: mr D you know i'm I'm spoiled he's the only owner I ever really really worked for and he's he, he is obviously the great in my opinion i'm and I'm spoiled but the greatest owner in NFL history he would whatever exactly as you said he would do whatever it took and he'd always take care of people and, and not just not just the head coach and not just the, the star players he would take care of people every christmas every Easter every one of my wife's birthdays every one of our anniversaries, she'd get two dozen long stem red roses from Mister D. Christmas gifts we'd get every year were big Christmas gifts, and, and 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 he just would, you know, you if you saw him, how how you doing? How's Jackie? How's Kelly? How's how's the family? What's going on? How are your parents? I mean, he's just a very caring, very special person.
3: Yeah, and he didn't get caught up. It seemed to me, and you tell us, he didn't get up, caught up in some of the little battles the way, like I, I, I again, comparing him to Al Davis, where boy, you got on his bad list, and you know, not only would he get would he cut you off, but also he would do whatever he can to make your life miserable.
4: Yeah, no, Mr. D was just the opposite. Now he didn't like losing either, um, and there, you know, there was a few few uncomfortable moments in the locker room after a loss in a game we should have won, um, but but he was always. Uh, quick to forget uh, and, and and quick to forgive and and let's go on to the next one now. Um, he you know he he had a little bit of um, emotion in his in his speech and in his in his face when we wouldn't play well or when we. I can I think of the playoff game against the Vikings that we should have won and we would have stayed home, stayed in California the rest of the way through the playoffs. And, and probably could have, would have, should have won the Super Bowl, but he was Mr. D was irate after that one. We were in we were in Chicago for a game against the Bears, and and, and we got beat. And Mr. D was kind of upset, and he, he was watching the end of the game on on a television in the locker room, a little portable television, like one of those little Sony televisions, and we had a turnover late in the game, and he dro- he dropped, checked that television across the locker room. <laughs> and and the, the equipment, it was equipment guy's television. And he turned to Mr. D and took a, like a step, like, hey, that's... And I grabbed him. I said, take it easy. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll take you. We'll get you a new one. Take it easy. Um, and Mr. D, before he left the locker room, he came to me and said, um, you know that television? I said, yeah. He said, I feel terrible about that. Can, can we buy him a new one? I said, I said, yeah, I'll, I'll get that done for us. And so I told the kid, I said, get yourself a new television and send me the bill. We'll take care of it, and we, and we apologize. He said, you would do that? And I said, yeah. He said, man, you guys are something. I said, that's not us guys. It's Mr. D. He felt bad that he did that. Well, I understand. I, I understand that the, the moment. was It was a tense moment, but wow, that's impressive. I said, that's Mr. D. You are listening to Sports
3: Rock and Tours, and we are talking with Jerry Walker, the Director of Public Relations for the San Francisco 49ers from 1981 to 1993. Yeah, that is. And he did have a pretty... I remember his uh, temper. I had heard a story that he ripped a phone off in the locker room off the wall back when, when they had pay phones and so forth.
4: Was that true? So it was, it was. It's one of those stories that has grown over the years. He did pull a one of those phones, a wall phone. I don't know if you if you ever yeah. had a wall phone, home. it was a wall phone, not a pay phone. It was a wall phone. And, and he, and he uh, couldn't get an outside line for some reason. And, and he, he, he banged the phone and he, and it, and it still couldn't like get the operator. And, and he just, he went to hand it to one of, one of his assistants. And, and, it, and it, the system was far enough away that Mr. D kind of pulled it and he pulled the, he <laughs> pulled the jack out, out of the phone and so we couldn't use the phone until we got a new jack. <laughs> but, but it wasn't. But that became, you know, he ripped the phone off the wall. But not, not really.
3: Okay. Well, yeah, you're right because it has grown. I, you know, you hear him throwing in a, in a fit of rage, You know, that's how these stories go. You know, this. Uh, but, but you saw plenty of that. You know, you also saw a team that had incredible camaraderie, and it seemed like there's a lot of leaders because. I got to know briefly Jerry Rice because he bought my uncle's house that he had, you know. And you just get huh. to talk to me he was a raider at the time, right? And uh yeah, yeah and, and you think to yourself, wow, even at that age when his best days were kind of over, but he was good enough to be a big part of that team and a lot of their success came from him. And it seemed like the 49er team that Walsh built and then kept on really had like great personalities. Did you find that that they all seemed like they want their team players?
4: Definitely, you know how you, you talk about a team supposed to be a family and you and talk about a 49-hour family. It really is, and it really was back then. I remember sitting in the office overlooking a practice field when we were in Redwood City at seven eleven 11 Street in Redwood City, and, and I'd see Freddie Solomon staying after practice. Practice is over, and he's out there catching balls with Jerry Rice and showing Jerry how to catch it, pull it in, tuck it, protect it, and they were out there they'd be out there working till dark after many practices and it's like I said said to Freddie one time, I said, Freddie you're joking, but I said, You realize that you're teaching this guy to take your job and Freddie said, Exactly. We need we're a family. And it's like, wow.
3: Yeah, that's that's really something. And that's I got the idea that Walsh and then afterwards Seaford and stuff. They weren't going to put up with a guy like, like most of the great teams. They're just not going to put up with somebody that won't buy in, regardless of whatever their talent level is. Was he sort of that way? And secondly, was he also one of those type that if you had to make a move, it's better off to get rid of somebody earlier than before they really uh, conk out as opposed to, uh, you know, keep them around one year too late?
4: You're right on target on both those. Uh, yes, he was the type of guy. Uh, and, and actually, that, w- how you explained that just now is almost verbatim how Bill told me one day. I said, well, we're, we're considering getting rid of him. Yeah, Jared, it's always better to get rid of a guy sooner than later, because if you wait too long, it's, it's gonna end up hurting you. And he learned. He said he learned that in the Cincinnati days with Paul Brown. But he was definitely a, a, a guy that would, wanted to, to share, share the wealth, if you will, and give people credit all the way down the line. And and yes, yes, I'm I'm both, yes.
3: More in a moment with Jerry Walker, former 49ers public relations director and team historian. You are listening to Sports Rock and Tours with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network.
5: Now you can get generic Viagra shipped to your door for about $2 a pill. Get the same impact for less. Call Steelman Pills now and get the same blue pill for about $2 a pill. Call now
1: for the 50-pill special and save even more. Plus, get a free bonus. 800-979-4317. 800-979-4317. That's 800-979-4317.
0: The If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the
5: painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare,
1: Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call US Med now to learn more. 800-437-1424. 800-437-1424. 800-437-1424. That's 800-437-1424.
2: Sports Rockin' Tours on Talk Media Network. Now, here again, Stephen Welcome back to Sports Rockin' Tours. You are listening to former
3: San Francisco 49ers Public Relations Director and current team archivist, Jerry Walker. Well, you know, 1982, because that was a regular preseason game, and I remember that was a big day for you, that preseason game, because... That was the Raiders were going to LA and there was a court case going on and all that stuff. And I I remember you telling me that we're just gonna put Raiders on the scoreboard instead of Los Angeles because the league didn't like this thing and we didn't know where it was gonna really end up. Of course they they won the court case and were able to move to Los Angeles.
4: exactly. And 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 you got you have a better memory than me. You're you're reminding you're you're cleaning up my cobwebs in my brain. You're reminding (laughs) me of stuff that looking back, yeah, I recall that, yes.
3: Yeah, that was a big deal. Well, okay, so you had a good career, I mean, a great career with the 49ers. Uh, Being the archivist, I I think it's really fascinating, and you've got a Hall of Fame that's really something that people should see if they even visit the Bay Area, right? I mean, it's one of those things where it's really kind of special.
4: So I tell people it's a a Disneyland for football fans, and and it is special. When we were putting it together and building it six or seven years ago now already, um, we went around the country and we went to other teams, baseball, basketball, football, Halls of Fame, saw the majority of them, maybe 90% of them, and, and we we aimed at trying to have a better Hall of Fame than any that we saw, and, and I really think we do. Green Bay's is outstanding. I think we have more interaction, interactive activities in our Hall of Fame, and um, I think maybe next to Canton, Ohio's Pro Football Hall of Fame, we might have the best Hall of Fame for pro football. Now, the question is, I've always recommended people stop here if they're out here visiting, even if they're not a Niners fan, because it's, it's about pro football. It's about the Niners. But you'll see all, all the other teams mentioned somewhere at one point or another in our Hall of Fame. But the question is, when will it be open again to the public?
3: Yeah, no kidding. And hopefully real soon. I, I This is just a really sad thing. Do you think there's going to be a season this year?
4: So the NFL is going on as, as if there will be. I mean, announcing the schedules, and they're going to be opening – Facility, NFL facilities around the country this week I think if if not this week next they're they're basing their plans on full speed ahead and I, I it's gonna have to be with a lot of how's that wording caveats? yeah
3: caveats? yeah
4: um, it's got to be you know every other row no people or or every other section I don't know how they're going to do it Just what d- people when they come in the gates uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be crazy. Well, and do you think it's going to be a season that's
3: going to have an asterisk by it? You know, I mean, I'm mean, i thinking all sports. might have it because it's just so different than anything we've seen.
4: I, I, I agree. I, I actually had a birthday last month. I put, I'm going to put an asterisk next to it because I don't think I'm getting credit for a full year here. <laughs>
3: yeah, exactly. Me too. <laughs> me too. I'm going to put an asterisk there too. That's a great idea. Well, Jerry Walker, what a pleasure having you. Uh, catch him back up with you. Uh, he's one of the really greats in this field, and it's a really important field. Uh, if you've ever done that kind of work, let me tell you, you rely on these people, and um, it can it can be difficult. But it certainly wasn't with uh, Jerry Walker, and both at San Jose State, and then with the 49ers. Jerry, thanks so much. Really enjoyed chatting with you today. We hope to have you on again real soon.
4: I, I would love that. You made my day today. Thanks so much for you, and thanks for the kind words. Okay, we're done
3: recording. That was great. I, that was fantastic. It's exactly what we're looking for. You know, you're a rock on tour. You, you're a storyteller, and the, you know, I brought back all those memories. That was really an incredible
4: time. You, you, you brought back a bunch of memories for me today, and I tell people when I about my storytelling. Some of them are true.
3: <laughs> you still got the same sense of humor I, I like that because you always had you know and when I was like a, a 19 year old kid I don't know that I appreciated it as much as I do now this guy's pretty pretty witty you know not, <laughs> so, not many
4: people do appreciate it
3: <laughs> <laughs> no it's, it's really a pleasure and you know just between you and I, off the record, you know the Raiders are coming to Las Vegas, and the show's about Las Vegas. Well, I remember working with those guys. Uh, you know, totally different experience. You know, and I and I liked them. You know, I grew up as a fan as a kid, but they made it tough. And and even yeah. now, you know, I call these PR people, and they don't get back to you. And stuff. I always think of you. You'd have called me back. <laughs> you know what the hell? <laughs> well,
4: well, thank you. Yeah, you know, little little Al, bless his soul. Yeah, was a was a really a nice guy if you got to know him, but. But he was gruff.
2: Oh God!
3: You know, yeah.
4: <laughs> you ask him a question. How, how? You know? How the hell do I know that? Well, I thought maybe being the period you, you might know it. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah uh, but, he, he could go. He could go
3: off. Yeah, I remember Lucassel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, God. yeah.
4: But but um, that, that was a good experience dealing with them.
3: Yeah, well, you know, I, I, one last story about that. I remember you were talking about gifts and so forth. Well, Davis used to give gifts to the press, you know. And as a kid, that seemed like a big deal—like a little TV or a little stereo thing with their emblem on it. Well, you know, and I was nothing. Okay, I was—I was doing on some stations of quick things, but I mean, in, in the whole scheme of things at that time, I was nothing. And I said some things uh, about the uh, the Raiders that they found negative. And they took. Off the, off the list! God!
4: <laughs> we used to give gifts also. Um, and then one year, Ira Miller uh, gave his gift back. And, and I said, Ira, what's up with this? He said, it's just not right me taking gifts when I'm covering a team. So we quit giving gifts the yeah. next year, uh, kind of like at his suggestion. And many of the writers were like, what the heck? What? <laughs> I look forward to that every year type of thing.
3: Yeah, well, I don't know. I always thought once once... Eddie took over. They went first class because they weren't before that. They just weren't, you know. And uh, and then once Walsh came in and got rid of that Joe Thomas thing, boy, <laughs> w- yeah. w- life changed. <laughs>
4: boy, oh boy. I, he, I'm glad I never had to work with him.
3: Yeah, he was, he, I remember his last season. That was my first year covering them, and that was the, their last year where they had three different coaches that year. and It was just <laughs> a shit show. Pardon my language. It just was, you know.
4: Well, when I was hired as the assistant PR director, I came in, and I was working on putting together the media guide, and I couldn't find some, some stats and some information. And I went to Joe uh, to George Heddleston, and I said, George, I said, I, where do we have more files? He said, these are all the files. Oh. He, called, he called me Junior, like Junior Walker. <laughs> these are all the files, Junior. And I said, what do you mean? He said, do you know the name Joe Thomas? I said, yeah. He said, well, blame him. I said, what are you talking about? He said, his first year with the team, he came in, and he told everybody, the forty ers have no history. We have no tradition. We're starting tradition and winning history today. I want you to clear out your cabinets, clear out your files. I want you to get rid of play by plays, media guides, yearbooks, oh. film clips, highlight films, um play by uh, statistics, uh programs, wow. and, and they did. So they all put them in a he ordered one of those huge trash canisters outside one of those bins, yeah and people people piled them in there. And then he and then George said, and then everybody stayed to work later than they ever had during the off season. And after Joe Thomas left, we all went back into the bin and raided it <laughs> and filled our cars and our trunks and tried to save as much as we could. But that stuff's all over the country now in collectors' hands and stuff. And I said, well, how stupid is that? That's like- yeah. Like the Nazis in Germany. or Yeah, something.
3: exactly. It's ridiculous because even, I mean, as well, you look at what happened after, that becomes all the more important. And plus, they were in the AAFC and all that. There's yeah. a really interesting history.
4: Just oh, well, I would love to have some of that information. So, so my first few years with a team, every time I advanced a game, which would be go a week ahead of the team to the city, uh, when I was advancing, I'd go to sports card stores and collector's stores and stuff like that and see if I could find anything. And I I rebuilt our Media Guide collection and I picked up a bunch of programs and some stats and stuff. But what the heck? That's unbelievable.
3: Yeah, it it really is. You know who the first guy we had on the show was the son-in-law, great guy, son-in-law of Chuck Bednarik. And we talked about Chuck Bednarik. And he sent Uh me some some, uh, paraphernalia. I love this stuff, you know, (laughs) pictures. Yeah. You know, that's such an important part. And, And that old... The old NFL was good. In some respects, I miss those, you know, like the 80s. Now, every two minutes, and, of course, I know you were involved with the uh, the NFL, with the referee thing, but, my God, well, they have another replay. They got another replay, you know?
4: It, it, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a different game back then, you know? <laughs> it, it, def- it definitely was. It right. definitely was. Well, Jerry, what
3: a pleasure. I really enjoyed it, and I really do want to have you on again. I will send you... Um, do I, I don't think I have your your email address
4: um, my, email, my email address is a, is a mouthful I was gonna ask you um, let me give you mine me. could you send it to me so I can I, def, I definitely could hold on one second okay I'm ready okay.
3: Stephen with a V you know Stephen at uh, Vegasneversleeps.com.
4: okay I'm a slow print. hold on one second okay Vegas never sleeps no it does not that's a good <laughs> that's a good welcome
3: yeah, unfortunately, it's been sleeping for a few months. But, but yeah, normally speaking, it never sleeps.
4: Okay, so Stephen S T E V E N. Yeah. at VegasNeverSleeps.com.
3: Yeah, so if you send me that, then I'll send you the MP3 when I'm done with this, and, and I'll also let you know like when it's going to air. Like I say, a portion of it will air on the Vegas show, and then we're going to put this whole thing on the Rack and Tours section. So, uh, cool. And very you, cool. Like I say, you were great. I'd love to have you on again. There's so much more to talk about. So <laughs> so a- anytime, Stephen. Thank you
4: very much, and good luck and best wishes on that Vegas deal. Thank you very much,
3: and uh, we'll, we'll talk again. Thanks, Jerry. Okay, good. See you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Follow us on all social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening today. This is Steven Maggi. I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who've helped people that have been injured or wronged. If you've had a revision or removal surgery of a hernia mesh implant after 2008, pay close attention to this message.
1: That's 800-430-4505.
5: I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness.
6: That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget.
5: It's funny, when I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes, when we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that die for anything.
6: Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council.
0: Do you own an annuity, either fixed rate, indexed, or variable? Are you paying high fees and getting low returns? If so, You get Annuity Do's and Don'ts for Baby Boomers and the Annuity Rate Report, both absolutely free for calling Annuity General today. Hurry,
1: supplies are limited. Call now. 800-653-8302 800-653-8302 800-653-8302 That's
3: 800-653-8302. KSHP shows are now available on all of the major podcasting platforms like iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcast, Radiohead, and more. Simply search for KSHP on any of the major platforms and you can listen to past episodes of all
6: your favorite KSHP programs, including Sports Rock and Tours.